Welcome to Future Bound by Klavner's Combination Carriers. My name is Liv Dirnes and I'm the CFO of the company. Today we have Torbjörn Eide with us. He's VP Maritime Personnel in Klavner's Ship Management, who is the ship manager of the KCC fleet. So welcome, Torbjörn. Thank you. The, tea, uh, the theme of today um, is our South African crew. Uh, but let's start uh, to give the... Uh, the audience some context. So how do we work with crewing in KSM? Well, in, in, um, I started in a company back in 2002. And when I came to Klavenes, uh, we had uh, 32 vessels on ship management and crewing. And the variance of, of these vessels was, it was a very broad diversity. We had uh, Gearless uh, dry cargo, we had geared dry cargo, we had cell phone loaders, transloaders, we had uh, plubo vessels, uh, basically specialized vessels. And um, then later on, we, um, we went for the cabus. Then we bought cement. Uh, we terminated dry cargo. Then we went into container. Then we also manned rudo vessels for duvi. Then we sold cement, went out of cement. Then we started looking at the clean booths uh, before we now reach the stage we are today where we are basically manning container vessels and combination carriers. So there has been a diversity of segments since I started in 2002 and each of these segments requires special people to be on board. And since we are in the maritime industry, we do have a legislation which is very much focused on compliance, and then especially compliance related to education and training. Uh, the challenge is, of course, that the compliance and the training and the education is on, on, on a minimum level, meaning that whatever is special for different companies operating different types of vessels, you would need a specific training and know-how to, to handle beyond what is the minimum standard. Uh, and that means that in, in KSM, we have pretty much focused a lot, not on the STCW requirements, because they are already there as part of the platform for compliance. But we spend a lot of time in recruiting, developing, and training our people so that we are able to get the best possible people on board specialized vessels. And all our vessels today are specialized because no one else has them. Yeah, and, and can you give us a bit more uh, like background or details on, on specifically how you train the, the crew for the, the combination carriers? Because we're both uh, dry bulk vessels and tankers in one, right? And as you said, no one else is doing that. So how do we do it? Yeah, well, you know, and, and that's quite interesting when you look into the different segments in the maritime industry. Um, sailors are normally either on tanker vessels doing wet or they are sailing on dry vessels trading dry. Now, our challenge is that we need people knowing both these professions, both segments. And if you're a pure tanker sailor, you're used to a trade where you only have to think of one type of cargo. And when you do the change, you change your cargo from wet to wet or you go from wet to ballast and then into mm. wet again. Uh, our challenge, and, and not least the challenge for our sailors on board uh, and operations, is that 
when we have completed one type of cargo being wet, we actually have to turn around and make the vessel ready for a dry cargo. Meaning that when we have recruited tanker people to combination carriers, they really don't understand the dry concept. Mm. Just like when we recruit dry people to the combination carriers, they don't understand and don't have the competence on the wet. And and that's where we have um, been trying to merge the dry competence with the wet competence. Now, the good thing is that when we went from the Prubles to the Kabus, we had a lot of tanker people going to the Kabus, at that time being caustic bulk. And, um, and that means that we have had a long tradition for having combination carriers in the fleet, meaning that we have a large number of officers, but also a very large number of ratings who are experienced in going from wet to dry. Mm. Now on the Kabus, that has pretty much been caustic to dry. So we haven't had CPP cargoes like we now have with uh, the clean booths. But I, I think in, in general, all the segments I spoke about earlier, and especially the cell phone loaders and the cement carriers uh, were very, we had very hard workers on board. If you look at the cement carriers, we actually had people having port calls around 340 to 350 port calls a year, meaning we already had people on board who were very used to hard work. Mm. On the transloaders in the Arabian Gulf, we had a crew size of 34, 35 people uh, working uh, out of cranes, transloading vessels, going in um, and, and discharging the cargo. So traditionally, we have had very hard-working people on extremely tough type of vessels to handle. Meaning that when we sold some of these segments and went out of them, we also recruited the people who had been on board these vessels used to the hard work over to the combination trade. And then over time, we've built up quite a robust um, roster of both ratings and, and officers. And then, of course, we have been very fortunate in Clavinus that we do have owners who have been willing to invest in in the recruitment, development, and training of sailors. And of course, when you have owners who support you in what you think is the right thing to do, it makes the programs that we have initiated a bit easier. Mm. So, and our tanker people, when they came now for the clean boost, as an example, we took them on board our caustic bulkers, and there they sailed in additional in, in additional positions on board learning the dry after uh, being very familiar with the wet where they came from. Also, we initiated a collaboration with another tanker company. So we actually took some of our caustic bulk officers and sent them to oil companies to gain that mm. experience on the oil. And in the midst of this, we developed our Kabu ratings further through proper training going on board the clean booths, uh, but then, of course, a completely different type of vessel than what you have with the combination carriers and the carboos, mm -hmm. especially the carboos. So um, I think, uh, but it all starts with the beginning. It all starts with the beginning because you do have the minimum standard as per STCW, and then you have what we have on the specialized vessels, basically um, building up crew, understanding what, what mm -hmm. we're doing. And I think uh, since we're not like doing the standard thing that everyone else is doing in KCC, then of course quality, you, you need to train them because quality of what we are delivering, delivering is very important. And then you're back to the track record that you have been talking about. 
and 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 that track record. I, I mean, also there is some. I think in certain segments, in a minimum standard, and and let's face it, there are many operators out there, many standard vessels out there. But our business and our type of vessels, we cannot go around in the neighborhood shaking mm-hmm. trees and expecting sailors to fall down that can go on board the oh. combination carriers. And then we're back to retention rate. Then we're back to the retention rate. Uh, but we're also back to, you know, where do we start? Well, we do actually take our cadets uh, from the Philippines, from South Africa. We recruit them while they are still at school. Then we have quite a comprehensive program in building them up, making sure they get their uh, their license. The same we do with uh, with the ratings. And that means that we onboard the majority of our people at the very early age, uh, meaning that in in many cases, our bosuns today, past 40s, they've been with us for 20 plus years. Yeah. Our retention in, 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 the, um, in the fleet is generally 93 plus percent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and that's part of the success as well, right? That we have such a high retention rate. Mm. Definitely, because um, the time you use in training up new people um, is, 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 uh, is quite long. Mm. And by training up new people, you're also putting an added strain dimension to the sailors already on board, having to focus on training new people. And in mm. addition to that, actually keeping up the good work, keeping our vessels safe mm-hmm. um so you mentioned um the filipinos because we have a lot of crew from the philippines and uh, eastern uh, uh, europe um and of course that's based on they have a very high competence the educational systems have been great and they are like seafarer nations mm. uh, but then some years ago we started recruiting from south africa as well tell us how it yes, all started <laughs> um well, in the fleet today, we have uh, we have around 900 sailors in the fleet. Uh, 80, 80% of them are Filipinos. And in the Philippines, Clavinus has owned its own manning agency since 1984. Then we have 15% um, Romanians. <clears throat> and in Romania, Clavinus has been present since ni- the early 90s. And since uh, 2000, we've had uh, our own manning agency in uh, in Constanza. And then we today have 5% South Africans in the fleet. And when we had the Philippines and Romania, there is always a talk about what other sourcing areas could we look at which we think would complement what we already have on board our vessels. And our philosophy is that as long as our vessels are multinational manned, we get the best out of each of these nations. At the same time, getting the best, we also know we as nationals also have some bad features that we're bringing along. But what we hope is, you know, that what the nationality brings on board of good and what nationality brings on board of less good is compensated by the other nationalities coming on board with their good and their less good. And then over time, that multinational in the Clavinus culture is blended and merged so that we do accomplish getting the best out of the Filipinos, 
our Romanians and not least now our South Africans being the latest addendum mm. to, to our sailors. And that's what we're trying to do onshore as well, right? That's what all companies are talking about. It's diversity. It's diversity. Mm. It is. So South Africa, well, it, it started with, uh, we were looking for, for, uh, for new places to source, not to replace, but to complement. Mm. And, um, and uh, one of the places we looked into was South Africa. Now, what we saw in South Africa was that initially what was a commercial drive from Klavnes into South Africa could be supported by ship management taking on board a number of South African cadets. Uh, so we went down to South Africa. We did uh, interviews with a large number of cadets. We thought we were taking four, but we took five because they were so good. Mm. And... They, their language was very good, appearance very good, the education very good. And basically, I left South Africa with a very good vibe. Mm. And, and, and I said to myself, you know, there is something we can do in South Africa. And there are not many people doing much in South Africa on the maritime, at least not on job creation. And my primary objective was, of course, job creation. And if that could support dry bulk in getting more commercial business, good. Mm. Um, then um, we initiated a collaboration with the South African Maritime Training Academy, who were administrating the cadets on behalf of South African authorities. And then basically we built up a, a cadet structure. They are now today sailing uh, on our vessels as junior officers. But at the same time, as we develop cadets into junior officer ranks, what we also focus on in Klamenes is also developing ratings. So we're not like many companies only looking at the officer side and what to do there. We are equally as focused on the rating side. Mm. Because as a rating today, you actually do not need too much of training other than what is the minimum requirement, and then you can go on board meaning that your schooling is not necessarily that advanced. But if we take, uh, just to go back to see what we've done in the Philippines that we later now adopted to what we're doing in South Africa on, on rating development, it is what we had as a manpower development program. Yeah, that was what I was going to ask about, because uh, I know that has been an important part of, uh, of the journey. Tell us a bit uh, more about the manpower development program. Well, back in 2002, we realized that we had a large number of aging ratings. And the older you get as a sailor, the more time you use on clearing your medical the more time you use on clearing your medical and failing, the longer time your ratings on board have to extend. And basically, it was uh, an unhealthy age profile hmm. in Clavinus on the ratings. We had we a, needed a succession plan. We <laughs> needed a succession plan. We had a lot of people 45 and above. And of course, being 58 myself today, that's a bit sad to say. But we had very few, 20 and above. Mm. And the special thing about the Philippines, uh, before we go back to South Africa, is that every year from maritime schools in the Philippines, and then we're back to SDCW on the educational being a minimum standard. 
Each year, you have around 18,000 Filipino graduates. Out of the 18,000, 3,000 get a job, meaning you initially have a surplus of 15,000 potential officers in the Philippines. Mm. Many of these maritime schools, they are in less fortunate areas where the graduates will normally never get a job. And of course, job creation is vital. At that time, we also had these specialized vessels being the cell phone loaders and the transloaders. So we needed people who could drive payloaders. That's not your regular training program at any maritime training school at all. Mm. Then we needed people operating big cranes, especially on the transloaders. So all in all, we needed a type of experience and competence on board the cell phone loaders and transloaders requiring more than what we could get at any training center. We went out to less fortunate areas. We started in Batangas, took some maritime graduates, made our own manpower development program lasting for three months, going into a collaboration with uh, an operational port, and then our future ratings were given training on payloaders and crane driving. And, and then we sent them aboard as deck boys and engine boys. And after one to two contracts as engine boy and deck boys, they got their certificate of proficiency and we could send them back as ordinary seamen or wipers. Now, bottom line is, over time, when we did the manpower development program, they went into rating positions. And today, I think out of our uh, 25, 30 bosuns in the fleet, um, 20 plus of them are from the manpower development program. Now, the beauty of the manpower development program in the Philippines is also that they all have a maritime education as a platform. And there is always talent. And then at the given stage, you can take them over to the officers' ranks and then they can grow further in the officers' ranks. So we today have captains and chief engineers from the first manpower development program in 2002, 2003. So you're preparing them for like, uh, yeah, going up the ranks. If they're yeah. good enough, yeah. you can go into the officer's ranks mm. if, if you're good enough and if you're recommended by, by, um, by, by people on board. Mm. Then we also looked into South Africa as a manpower development program possibility. Now, what we discovered in, in, in South Africa was with the cadets was there were expectations on what they wanted that we could not deliver on. Because we have tiers of development on the officer side saying that when you have your license, you are still not qualified. You are qualified, but you're not competent to be alone on the mm -hmm. bridge. So we have put intermediate tiers where you go on board as a deck officer trainee, and then you go on board as a junior third officer or a junior third assistant engineer before you go up to the final operational level. Now, the South Africans didn't want to go through these intimate tiers because they have what we saw after a while, something we call the entitlement attitude. You owe me. And that means that we had to dismiss some of the South Africans, not many, but some. And that led me to think that we needed to focus more on finding a center of gravity where we could build up uh, a crew roster. And that included also the manpower development program. So. What we did was we have a good friend of Klavenes, Rolf mm. Olsen. And Rolf Olsen, back in the days, started something called the Impanda Foundation. 
Now, the Impanda Foundation since the early 2000s has built up 40 plus different projects in the Ugu district. And the Ugu district is around 120 kilometers south of Durban. Now, in that Ugu district and in South Africa, you have a tribal system, which is very, very strong. And also in the South African constitution, the tribal system and the Sulu or the chiefs of the tribes have a legal role um, to, to, um, to obtain. So I went to Dolfulsen and I said, I experience entitlement attitude in South Africa. We have now been recruiting cadets from all over South Africa. We do see we do not get the proper ownership of our people by doing that. And I'm thinking that could we together with you in Panda and the tribal chief in the area find a way of recruiting future sailors to Klavenes, either as cadets, sending them to maritime schools, or as future ratings. Mm. Uh, I was uh, summoned to what they call a Sulu court. That was um, very, very special. And there, the Sulu chief in Kosi Solo, a very smart man. His tribe is 70,000 people. And what we were looking for was, with the collaboration and the support of Chief Nkosi, finding the families in his tribe and in the Ugu district with one ambition for their sons. And that was getting a job. What we see in many countries and in poor countries, we see that many parents uh, are focused on their kids having an education going into the academics. But we all know that uh, a country of true professionals has a much more diverse workforce than only lawyers and doctors and dentists. Mm. So we were looking for the families having one ambition, my son working, and, um, and uh, not necessarily going into the academics. So we used, we didn't use, but we were together with, with uh, Chief Zolo, uh, Impanda and Network Action Group, which is, uh, is, is a partner of Impanda, in finding families where we could identify these youngsters with the right attitude. And we interviewed 30 to 50 youngsters. They went through the same selection program that we have in the Philippines. And then we selected 11. These 11, they had never been outside the Ugu district at all. And then they had to do their STCW minimum training in order to go on board. Mm. So we sent them down to Simonstown where you have the training academy administrating our cadet program. 22 hours with a bus down to Simonstown. They have never been outside their district. They went there for, uh, for uh, a number of weeks doing the relevant training, 22 hours back to the Ugu district. And then we did the final uh, applications for passports, visas, and everything else. And then we sent them aboard. Then we sent them aboard as deck hands. Then they do one to two contracts as deck hands, six month contracts. Then they go back home. They get their certificate of proficiency, and then we can send them aboard as ordinary seamen. Mm. Or if they are engine hands, we can send them aboard as uh, as wipers. 
Um, then we have continued with the manpower development program in, um, in the Ugu district. And there we see that we have a retention today on 100%. I mean, this is, this is CSR at its best because we are going into a community where the unemployment rate is 80%. The average income for anyone employed in that district is around 80 to 90 US. And in our agreements with unions, uh, our deckhands go on board with, uh, with a starting wage, which is in line with what the Filipinos have. So it is all under the international umbrella by, by, by the unions. Mm. And of course, then we're talking about youngsters going on board being paid four times what anyone employed in the Ugu district is. So, of course, by doing this, first of all, we give the possibility for job creation. We do know they make their money. They go back to their society where they live on on their vacation periods. And through this money, they also utilize that in the the neighborhood in the the Ugu district. And not least, it creates publicity for sailing, Mm. meaning that today... In Mutusi High School, where we take the majority of our um, of our youngsters, everyone is going to Principal Martin each month and asking when is Klavnes coming back to recruit more, and um, and then we will see. But we have had the ambition every year since we started with the Manpower Development Program in in South Africa in the U District. Our ambition is to take six to ten youngsters every year, working the rating loop. And then also every year taking five to seven cadets uh, through the Durban University and, and having them sent on board. So our, our ambitious plan is over time to build up the South African pool, hopefully to 100 plus sailors. Um, today we have the first second officer on board. We have female cadets on board from South Africa, just like we have female cadets and female officers from um, from from the Philippines, and and whenever we look at recruitment now, we always try to get the blend of the male and the female. So I hope when we look into the future that we will be able to have around a hundred give and take South African sailors on board our vessels, and um, and uh, I think that will be a perfect match with um, with our Filipinos and and Romanians, because there is something about when you're looking into where. Would I like to source? There are some common factors that need to be in place for you to want to go in and invest in people from that country. One, of course, is that there is a a, politi- a political understanding that job creation is important and that you do have a political establishment having job creation as a priority. Uh, second, in the maritime, we need to know that the, the country where we are sourcing is on the IMO whitelist so that they actually mm. have a certified education and will get their licenses in the future. Then we also need to know that the training centers and the schools are at the level where we feel that it's trustworthy and they are actually delivering capable people. And then we need a certain volume. <clears throat> now, the Philippines have that volume. Romania does not actually have that volume. South Africa does not have that volume today. So many others uh, are reaching out to the countries where the volume on maritime education is high. We have actually chosen going to South Africa where the volume of maritime education is 
not much compared to what they are competing against. And, and of course, that may make us vulnerable because others see how smart it is to go and take bright, smart South Africans on board their vessels. Um, but I think by focusing and having our center of gravity around Ugu, Chief Nkosi, Impanda Foundation, Network Action Group, finding the families, knowing what we are bringing to the table. And of course, our priority number one is always to make sure that we get our people safe back home. Mm-hmm. And I think we have earned the trust. And every day what we are doing is basically trying to make sure that our people come home safe. So I have great hopes for South Africa. Yeah. So I think we can say that it's a win-win situation. We create jobs and we get very competent and, and good people on board. And and um, they are some of the most important people that we have in Clavenes, right? Running all the vessels. I think we would struggle if we didn't. Have them. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> so, but it, it's but you know that's been the fascinating part of the clean boost has actually again it's building up a new segment. When we went into cement in two thousand three, we had. We had no idea what we needed on board. We were going with cement vessels trading along the Norwegian coast and the Swedish coast and the Danish coast. Mm-hmm. We had no experience, but we built ourselves up on, on that. And I think what we have seen when we go through the different types of vessels that we have had is we've always been able to bring along what we've had in the past and combine it with what we're up against in the future. So when we went from the Probos to the Kabus, we also, we had a lot of competent people from the Probos doing wet and dry. When we went from the Kabus to the clean booths, we recruited tanker people from the outside. We merged them with our caustic bulker officers and ratings from the inside. And through that, we merged them into what seems to be working very well today Mm -hmm. on on the clean booths. Mm -hmm. But of course, we are at the very beginning of a lot of things. And even though we now have been in South Africa and worked out of South Africa for for a decade. Um, we started the Manpower Development Program in 2002. That's 20 years ago. We started the Manpower Development Program because we had a lot of elderly people on board. Mm. And today our age profile is the majority of our people are between 30 and 50. And it is a much healthier age profile in the fleet today than what it was back in the days. But it's taken 20 years. Mm. So building people takes time. Thank you, Torbjörn. This was very interesting. And then I probably come back to the Futurebound podcast in the future as well and talk more about what you are doing. When we have 100 South Africans. Yeah, yeah, then we'll come back and talk (laughs) about that. (laughs) Thank you, Liv.